Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is New York designer David Fraser, known for his warm, modernist interiors and place-based, place-based architecture. Originally from West Point, Georgia, David attended Auburn School of Architecture before moving to New York, where he designed spaces for his clients in New York, the Hamptons, Connecticut, Colorado, and throughout the South. His work has been featured in House Beautiful, Architectural Digest, El Decor, Veranda, Millie Magazine, and more. He's been named one of Traditional Home Magazine's New Trad Designers and was the recipient of the 2023 Nashville Design Award. So David, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I thought today uh, we could talk a little bit about neutrals um, because, um, you know, in sort of like the world of shelter magazines and online, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of color and pattern and layering recently. So I wanted to be like, okay, what's the case for neutrals in this world where everyone's seeing a lot of color? Like, why should we use them? You know. What do you love about them? You know, kind of why can they how why and how can they be as exciting as color? And um, you know, maybe we can talk about like what's most versatile and we can get more into it. But yeah, I think that's actually that's a great question. And um, you know, I think the reason that I use um that I use neutrals so much, uh well I think it, it, it's it's kind of multifaceted, but I think you know, the way that I got into design was a little bit different than maybe a lot of, you know, a lot of typical interior designers. I went to architecture school and kind of, you know, through my establishing my own, my own practice and own firm is is kind of how I segued into, you know, a more traditional interior design firm. Um, so I, you know, all that to say is I think architects in general are a little bit hesitant of color and pattern because, you know, we're a little bit more maybe purists or modernists. Um, and, and, and I also think it's also a little bit of like, you know, fear of, you know, fear of too much stimulation or overstimulation. And so, you know, I think that, um, as, as my practice is now going on, um, six, six and a half years, you know, we, we do use more kind of pattern and color than, than I ever would have thought I would. And I've embraced it and, and really actually enjoy it. But, you know, if you look at maybe other traditional interior designers, they don't, um, they would, they would say, okay, you're, you're, you know, you're definitely more neutral. And, um, I think that for me, I think that we are so overstimulated just as people, you know, it's like, we have screens, we have, you know, you walk outside and it's like, there's just constant overstimulation and we have very little kind of quiet downtime. And so I think that that is a huge value for me um, of like a neutral interior is it kind of allows your mind and your eye to rest. And, 
you know, it, it, it's really kind of this like safe place and it's a place that you can really feel comfortable. Um, and that's not to say that you can't feel comfortable and be, you know, be restful in a space with a lot of pattern and color. But for me, um, that's my attraction to kind of the neutral. Uh, and that's my case for, for why it's, it's important and valuable. Do you think your sense of stylistically, have you always been that way? Have you always gravitated towards that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, I think until, you know, until really fairly recently, um, and, and this was kind of at the nudging or at our response to our specific clients, um, mm. I was very hesitant to, you know, kind of color and pattern, um, just because for me, it feels so foreign. Um, but, but once, you know, I worked with a really good friend and client and she is, you know, a huge fan of color and a huge fan of pattern. And, um, I think by working with someone I knew so well and, um, kind of our, you know, taking what I know she loves and kind of interpreting it in our way, um, is what really was a catalyst for that, our, our use of, you know, more color and pattern. But um, yeah, for me, it's always been kind of like quiet spaces, hushed spaces, um, you know, love a lot of texture, but, you know, color and pattern, a new newcomer to that world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think if, I, if any of our um, listeners aren't familiar with your work, you know, it's very effortless. There obviously, as we mentioned, there are a lot of neutrals, but there's a lot of contrast. There's a lot of texture, as you mentioned. Um, there's a little pattern, you know, maybe some stripes or, um, <laughs> you know, and there's, there's oh, definitely, you know, there's definitely pattern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah. but, um, you know, as a whole, I think you would kind of read it as neutral, but there's still drama and there's still, you know, play with scale. And, um, and so I wonder if you could kind of, uh, share with people like, some ways that you like to, you know, be sure there's plenty of interest, um, or maybe like, you know, some some strategies you you use uh, to where maybe it'll bring kind of the same uh, energy as color and pattern, but it's really in a more sort of neutral space. Like how to, you know, I think a lot of people think of like an all neutral house and they think of monotone, and that's not, you know, what they would find if they saw your work. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, when, when we're approaching a space or how we think about space is, is we really, you know, we think about it, uh, you know, one time I heard someone kind of refer to it as um, you, you want it to be like a good dinner party. You know, you want there to be like interesting people that may not necessarily at the outset be perfectly matched, but it makes for the most interest. So, you know, I think how we create interest in our spaces is we we love to use kind of different periods of furniture. Um, you know, we'll use something that's very contemporary, something that's mid-century, and then something that's, you know, like a 19th century uh, English or French antique all together. Um, and I think that, that that's how we really in our work get that interest that may not while our patterns and our colors may be um less bold i think that the pairing of the objects and the 
pieces that we select and how they work with each other um, is what makes our work interesting. And and for me, it, it, it's what you know, what growing up kind of in the in the South, you know, I was kind of used to being around antiques and things like that. But you know, I think then through my education and moving to New York. Um, the exposure, the exposure, and kind of more interest in, in like modern, you know, more contemporary pieces. But pairing those together um, is what we love to do, and how we really like to achieve that that balance. And you know, it, it, a lot of times it's unexpected, but I think that if it's if it's done well, um, it's successful because it, it, it is such an amalgamation of um, of different things and different styles that it, you know, it, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, one thing that I also like to do, and I think this, this too comes from my background in, in architecture, um, is I like to play with scale and, you know, we use a lot of what I think a lot of people would, at least until they see it in the space would think, you know, is maybe like a really overscaled light fixture. Um, but I think that's how we bring, a little bit of drama and excitement into spaces, um, and that pairing of you know pairing of pairing of items that um, that that makes things you know more interesting. Where do you start? You know, I, I think like <laughs> well I'm, from the beginning. I ask this because I think it yes. seems as though you know in um, in talking with a lot of designers, especially ones that use a lot of pattern and color, they kind of start with like the color palette and the fabrics. And so I'm I'm curious if that's you know where you start. If you you know kind of are, is there like a piece like a furniture piece that you do everything around? You know, is it the layout like wh- what does your process look like? Yeah, I think that's a great question and it's one that always kind of fascinates me because I think it it's interesting that something that's so interesting about our profession is that um, you can do it in so many different ways and you can be successful in so many different ways. And, um, you know, for, for me, I like to create a narrative, whether it's a real narrative um, or one that we have to you know, we have to be more generous with creating. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I think that, um, and I think this is also, you know, this is also kind of from being from the South and, and having a background in architecture. Um, I think that there is so much that can be learned and taken from, you know, from the kind of vernacular, either architecture or vernacular language or vernacular lifestyle. And, and that is really, that's usually our starting point is is how our clients live how the house if it's an existing house or a historic house what can we draw from that and then you know what is appropriate for how the clients either want to live or how they do live or um what's appropriate for the house some combination of of you know the two and then you know, so we're kind of working on that narrative, not necessarily outwardly, but kind of, you know, internalizing and thinking about all these different um, different components of the place or of the clients and of their lifestyle. And, um, you know, as far as actual development, kind of, you know, pen to paper or the actual process, um, we always start with, um, you know, 
if it's just decorating, we just start with a furniture plan. Um, and, and then, you know, we kind of fill in the pieces. And what's funny is we really work, I think probably the opposite direction of a lot of designers is we do um, kind of our fabrics and our finishes last after we've selected all of our kind of key pieces. Um, and so that's, you know, I think it's probably the opposite direction of a lot of people, but that's how we really approach most of our work. So were you like sort of, you know, when say you're, there was like a great dining room in one of your, um, I want to say that it was in the West Point house actually. Um, or no, no, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's the one, it's the one in, um, with the big, big light fixture, uh, the sort of um, big paper light fixture. Anyway, doesn't matter. But there was like a, <laughs> a round table. There was a big light yeah. fixture. There was sort of this armoire. And it always fascinates me how a designer, um, you know, has really special pieces that they've found from an antique dealer. And I'm curious if you go in saying like, okay, I know I want a 60 inch round dining table and I want a big like, you know, storage piece on this wall. Um, and that's, then you go shopping for antiques and you kind of just find what you want to find. Or are you like, I want a Biedermeier chest. I want an English mm-hmm. armoire, Forder armoire or something. Like how, how, I guess, specific are you when you're shopping antiques versus, you know, kind of letting things be discovered and um, letting things find you, I suppose. Right. Well, I think that, you know, I think, when I'm thinking about it or when we're kind of, you know, if you say take one room, for example, you know, I think we think about, okay, yes, that, that storage piece um, is going to be an antique. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think about what style it should be, if it should be like, you know, Biedermeier or Louis Philippe or something like that. Um, and then I, you know, when we're actually trying to find the specific piece, um, you know, I know probably five or six dealers that might have that specific type of piece that we're looking for. And so we'll reach out to them and ask them what they've got that fit within those dimensions. Um, I would say that's how we work 90% of the time. But in the past couple of years, because, you know, I think things are just getting harder and harder to source and there are less and less kind of, you know, great resources. Um, it seems like, you know, they're just every year there are fewer dealers and, and you know, there's less and less availability. Um, so we've been, you know, if there's a piece that we love that we come across um, either online or, you know, in a store, we will go ahead and purchase it and then know that it'll find a home somewhere down the road. Um, and that's really how I prefer to work. but. Then there's the limitations of like storing it and logistics and, you know, um, I, there are pieces that I've also, you know, you get attached, I get attached to them and <laughs> don't want to use them in the project. Don't want to use them in the project. I was going to say and, um, personal shopping involved <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so that does happen. So, you know, I think, but, but then, you know, you, I always think there's nothing that haunts you like, you know, the piece that you didn't buy when you, you know, six months later, a year later, you're looking or you need, you basically are like, I need that, that I missed out on. Um, and you can't 
see mm-hmm. anything else in the space, but that, you know, um, but the piece that got but away. then on the, you know, exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, I have, uh, we have a building in my hometown that we're kind of converting into storage for, for that exact purpose. Um, because it's obviously very hard to find storage space in New York. So the idea is that, you know, in down in Georgia, we'll have a space that is kind of dedicated to ours and it'll be somewhat of a gallery, but not really open to the public. So uh, you know, you it'll be a place sale. that we can kind of, exactly, <laughs> until we have to clear it out. It'll be like uh, Martha Stewart's tag sale. Yeah. Yes, I'm kidding. Well, that's <laughs> exciting. The low, the low brow, the low brow version of that. Well, I, I totally think you're right, though. There is something so special when you find some beautiful pieces that you're like, oh, I will make mm-hmm. this will fit in so many spaces that I design, especially if you know you love it. Um, right. Because we speak about that all the time. If you like it, you'll make it work. What are your favorite neutral shades? You know, what are what are the colors that you or, or do you like them all? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't, I'll say, let me start with what I don't like. I don't like really cool colors. You know, I like most everything. I would say we use very, very few cool blues, cool grays. Um, I think that we tend to use warmer colors, even if it's a white, it's a warmer white or, you know, even in the neutrals, they are warm, um, color tones, um, you know, I, I love um, chocolate brown, um, you know, like really kind of rich greens, um, like ochre, um, which, you know, aren't really neutrals, but they, I think they can go neutral. Um, but those are some of the blues. I love a lot of blues, um, but, you know, kind of rich blues, not cool, icy blues. Um, yeah. Do you tend to, I mean, it seems from the outside, like you mix a lot together. You know, you've got black, you've got uh, sort of wood tones, you've got maybe like a sort of a, like oatmeal color. I'm just trying to think of a better word for that. That sounds so blah, but um, like an oatmeal, you've got cream, um, you've got lots of metal finishes. And, and do you have like maybe rules about how to mix lots of neutrals together um, or are there really no rules since they're all neutral that's a great question and I think um, you know I think that what I like to do especially you know if it's if it's a house or room or project or um, that that does feel appropriate to be all neutral um, the way that we keep it interesting um, from a texture standpoint is, you know, say, say everything's going to be like a really beautiful, like oatmeal or sandy color. Um, we would do a lot of linen, um, but we would mix in mohair, leather, um, wool. I think that's what we like to do, especially in a neutral space is have, um, a bunch of different kind of textiles and textures. Um, and then, you know, then you kind of layer in, you know, I would say anytime we're doing a case good, um, probably, you know, the majority of the time that's going to be an antique piece that has some patina. Um, but then most of the time, if we're doing like a sofa or a club chair, 
um, that's going to be something that's contemporary. So it's going to be much more tailored and much more precise. Um, and I think that juxtaposition, um, you know, of kind of the really tailored or really contemporary um, upholstered piece with an antique piece that has, you know, just a patina that can't be replicated. Um, I think that's how it, it stays fresh and stays kind of, you know, stays unexpected. Um, because I, I think too much of the same thing is just not, it's just not interesting. Um, you know, unless it's just something, you know, really incredible. But, um, you know, I think in general, it's, it's kind of the mixing of those, those things that make, um, make design and make interiors really um, exciting. Yeah, I, I found the um, the dining room I was thinking of, and you do that that very thing in here. It's like, I think it's one of the most recent ones on your Instagram. There's a big paper lantern and sort of this um, antique chest with a very ornate mirror over it and just very like sleek sort of leather dining chairs and like the chair, especially against that wood, um, you know, kind of console and the wood mirror. It's, yeah, it... it um, that contrast is with the sleek and then the very patina is is really beautiful and exciting, but you know both are like it's a black leather chair, you know. It's <laughs> right, not, right. It's not yeah, patterned. It's not, it's not a color. It's right. it's simple and it's sleek. And I think that you know that that particular dining room or particular project, I think what what's interesting about it is it's a nineteen it's a nineteen sixty mid century modern house that we renovated for our client and and furnished and um i love mid-century architecture um and i love you know i love mid-century furniture too um but i think what happens a lot of times with spaces like that is people go too literally and they furnish it with all mid-century <laughs> furniture and um you know mid-century houses in general you know the whole idea of them was it was kind of a reaction to kind of the ornament of the previous period. So it's, you know, this extreme. And so, you know, we wanted the house to feel really warm and layered and and we weren't going to change the architecture. So we had to kind of do that through the furnishing, but we wanted to have pieces that felt appropriate for mid-century houses, but also pieces that were unexpected and kind of, um, you know, it was, it was very curated because um, the space feels almost like a gallery. So we had to be really thoughtful about what we brought in. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, we, we kind of talked in the beginning about how color and pattern is so sort of, it's kind of like has this sort of triumphant return because I think things have been very neutral for a long time, but, you know, whites and grays and whatnot. Um, and I'm curious maybe if there's any listeners who have a very neutral space, but they're appreciating that that color and that pattern. How should they, from your perspective, bring color and pattern into their space in a way that can um, kind of give them some of that energy without going in a totally new direction? Yeah, I think there's, you know, I think there are a couple ways of doing it that are, um, and, and sometimes if we have a client that's, you know, has an aversion to uh, committing to like a pattern or a color, 
you know, art, art is a great way of doing it. Objects or accessories, um, you know, can be a great way of kind of changing things up. Pillows or smaller textiles um, or an accent chair, mm-hmm. an accent fabric. I think those are great ways, you know, for people to, if, you know, you can keep your kind of neutral baseline, um, but bring in, you know, bring in some of those elements. And I think it can have a really big impact on on the space and really change change the feeling of the space, you know, and, and it's a great way, I think, to layer in um, more color or more interest and, and change things up without feeling like you have to start, you know, totally from scratch. Yeah, so like sort of start small with um, smaller surface area piece, pillow, you mentioned pillows. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, chair. things yeah. like that, things like that to me always feel like, less daunting than you know maybe reupholstering a sofa or you know doing something that feels feels more permanent um you know or, or feels more like a bigger commitment um i think it's a it's a good way to um to make a big difference or make a change um you know in a subtle way there was one bedroom in um i think it's your alice beach project that uh, it was a, it looked like a guest bedroom and it was, you know, lots of cream, lots of wood, you know, lots of neutrals. But then the bed was this beautiful kind of mid-toned blue, sky blue. And there was sort of this accent of like a marigold yellow on the bed with like just one long lumbar. And I just like immediately had to stop, you know, <laughs> going through that um article just because i was like oh wow this like it jumped out at me but it's really one thing you know that's the color but because it has all these neutrals around it it really kind of pops at you um so i thought that thought that was just a really elegant and like restrained way to (laughs) um add a little color in there thank you um yeah that one you know anybody that's been to alice you know it, it I think the beautiful thing about it is um, is that it is all you know kind of it's all white, um, and and a lot of times the interiors of the houses that I've been in, you know, kind of take that same approach. And I think it's an approach that makes sense and it is successful. But it's something that you know our clients wanted it to feel a little warmer and a little different than than a lot of what they had seen um and but you know at the same time you you have to kind of there i feel like we had to do it you know in a subtle way or otherwise it would be overwhelming you know to go from this all neutral kind of exterior um to you know just like this super vibrant color so i think you know that one was a fun challenge you know how do you kind of bridge that that world in a way that doesn't feel forced or overpowering. Yeah, that is an interesting dilemma because, yeah, I mean, Alice is so, um, I don't know, stark, but, uh, you know, it it has a cohesiveness that is appealing. But that's not really what you would want in your own. Yeah. Like, it's hard to break away. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like the architecture of there have been some great architectural projects that have that have been done in Alice um, that I think the way that they kind of marry like that 
that autonomy with standing out is a good lesson, um, mm-hmm. you know, of how, how to design interiors in that space and how to be mm-hmm. nuanced and subtle. Well, I, um, I even just loved the architecture of that home because it was a little bit more traditional than, and, you know, I guess from my perspective, what a lot of the Alice houses are, which are kind of have this Moroccan vibe, you know, right. kind of white and, um, like a, like a little bit bohemian, but just this very like uh, sculptural look to them. And, um, you know, this this home of your clients had a, a little bit more of a, a traditional like uh, exterior shutters yeah. and, you know, it was very pretty. Yeah, I think it was a good, you know, to me, it was a perfect kind of marriage of um, what I think of, you know, like style, stylistically of like what, you know, kind of how you land in the middle of, um, you know, it's definitely kind of, it, it's definitely not traditional, but it's not, not modern either. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it just, as a result, it's it's a very, it's very comfortable, but it's a very like, you know, it's a very attractive house and, and yeah. you know, it's a fun house to kind of be in and spend time in. Um, you know, that was mm-hmm. a big goal of our clients is, you know, they didn't want it to feel like their, their main house. They wanted it, you know, to definitely have a different flavor, but they also wanted it to be, you know, comfortable and approachable and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, so that was, that was a fun project. You know, we love kind of working on, um, vacation houses for that reason. You can, you know, you can kind of bend the rules a little bit sometimes. Sure. And what a different, uh, you know, environment than New York, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You are yeah. every day. It's like the polar opposite. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a good, yeah. It's a good, um, it's a good place to have to create in. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We, we've talked obviously a lot about neutrals and, and um, how liberally you use them, but there was one particular space in your portfolio that uh, was not particularly neutral. And that was the, I guess, would, would you call it a, the butler's pantry in the Kip Space Show house or the laundry so it was room? Actually, yeah, it was actually the, the official space was, um, you know, when we were assigned the space um, for the, the Palm Beach Show house, it was a, it was a laundry room. And, you know, it, it, anybody that's kind of been involved with a show house, I think can attest to you know, there it, there's such a short period of time. The before and after, the before um, is usually daunting or a little bit scary. And you know, you're trying to, especially with these kind of secondary spaces like a laundry room. You know, you, you're trying to figure out how you can showcase what you can do or or mm-hmm. what could be done um, in a space that's not typically thought of as a you know front of house or a really well-designed space and so that was one thing that we we wanted to do um and and we we thought okay this is an opportunity for us to showcase that we don't just do masculine neutrals we can do (laughs) um pattern and color because you know if you're not going to do it in a show house in palm beach you know when else when else are you going to do it um (laughs) and so we you know sewn fabric which we we love they were 
one of the sponsors and um you know so we kind of went through um all of their fabrics and landed on that the acanthus fabric that we used for pretty much everything in the space um and just decided to build build the room around that and you know i think what what the reason that i felt like it was still a good representation of our work is because it's one pattern and it kind of did everything it really became a neutral and when you were Mm -hmm. in the space it was you know it had a lot of depth to it that um you know in your eye was even though there was a lot of pattern and a lot of um movement and, and interest um your eye could still kind of rest and it felt really calming mm-hmm. and it was like this kind of like hushed space and um you know through the run of the show house when people were coming through you know everyone would ask what the space was supposed to be they thought it was either a butler's pantry or a bar or you know like a second or second kitchen or a pool cabana um and so that was a huge compliment and success especially considering you know where the space started um and so that one was you know that was a really kind of fun um fun transformation and and especially you know <laughs> given the time constraints and um everything else so yeah that was that was exciting and you know i think as a result it's kind of um it's been you know for for clients that approach us and you know maybe aren't they like our work but you know we sometimes get clients that are like you know, they're like, well, we don't really like dark spaces or we don't like moody spaces. Like, you know, we want something soft and feminine. It's a good, um, it's a good thing to have in our back pocket and say, okay, yes, we can, you know, we're, we're very, very versatile. We can um, embrace a lot of different styles and, and it was a fun challenge, you know, to, to be, to be a part of. Yeah. It's, um, it's so pretty. And, and I was, you know, I loved seeing how it connected to sort of the, the chocolate brown room next to it. Um, or it looked like it was next to it. I, um, I with guess the, I, with the striped panels. Yes. Yeah. I love yeah, so, those striped panels. That was, yeah, those yeah. are um, those are a Schumacher um, cabana fabric. Uh, it's like the oh, Brigitte so stripe. And um, they had just released that colorway the chocolate brown colorway and um there's that you know the room that i I think anybody in the design world is familiar with is um tom shearer's uh the dining room at lyford key club Mm -hmm. and um you know so that was kind of one of our inspirations but you know we wanted to do a nod to that and you know the, the dark chocolate brown doesn't usually make you think of palm beach or a tropical environment um but i think he proved otherwise and so that was kind of it was you know it was kind of the counterpoint to what we did with that beautiful kind of sewn laundry room is you know the chocolate brown and the blue worked well together but it was you know definitely a contrast but it was a nice um segue of spaces i think both spaces just speak volumes too about the use of pattern and fabric in there to what you've done to just transform the space with something even so simple as a stripe. But again, it just takes it to such a different level um, of design. Yeah. yeah, and I think that people don't like necessarily think to use 
it's, it's such a like classic decorator, you know, stroke to use drapery and softness. But I think that it's something that the sort of the person that's doing themselves doesn't really think to include. And it, um, you know, I just myself, when I go into friends' houses or see someone's home, I do think it's often the thing that's missing. It's like, what's that softness? Where's the, you know, you need like a full drapery. You need something skirted. You need like more, yes, softness to cut all of the the hard lines. And and you certainly don't think to use it in the hallway. So that really (laughs) kind of shows how inviting it is. Yeah, and I think, you know, we a lot of times use drapery you know, as as an architectural, not just a decorating element, but as an architectural element. And, um, you know, I think that was definitely the case here is, you know, how can we frame the openings and create a backdrop that otherwise doesn't exist and, you know, create something that's interesting in a space that's that's not particularly interesting. Um, and, you know, dr- the, the drapery and the fabric really, you know, it, it, it is an easy, relatively easy transformation and it's a it's a good way to kind of you know like there was like an odd opening in an odd cabinet that we didn't have the time or didn't want to dedicate the resources to redoing in that space and so we decided to drape it off and it you know to me it was much more interesting than seeing just a storage cabinet um and you know that's something that we we will do a lot of in in especially in secondary, you know, vacation homes is, um, you know, I'm a big believer in less built-ins and less kind of things like that. Um, it is better because, you know, to me, you can't replicate, no matter how good the mill worker is, you can't replicate like a beautiful furniture piece. You know, I'd rather see a furniture piece any day than, um, than like a built-in. So, you know, that's something that like, if we are brought into a project, um, I always try to encourage clients to do less kind of formalized built-ins and, and you know, think of things as al- alternate ways, like either furniture or, you know, maybe for certain closets, you remove the doors and drape them um, just to get in a different kind of softness. And um, it gives you a lot more kind of interest and depth than um, I think you can then you can achieve with just straight millwork built-ins I I mean I love hearing that because I have been intrigued by I feel like built-ins have really like right it's like part of every home now that's being built yes. and it has been in the past what 30 years I mean I feel like even yeah. the 80s homes had built-ins and then it became like more and more to now you can't go into a new build that doesn't have them so it is interesting to hear that and that point of view so and well I and even from, <laughs> so. I, I agree with you and I think you know the way I think about it is is even from you know when we're when we're designing spaces and working with with our clients and rightfully so you know millwork is because it is a built you know it it's expensive um and it's a big you know, part of the budget. And so we encourage clients a lot, both from a financial standpoint, if we're going through, you know, value engineering um, phase, or even just to get that kind of next level of layering, 
um, we will <laughs> we will eliminate a lot of built-ins if they were you know if they were already kind of um, prescribed for the house before we were brought in mm-hmm. and you know it, it always is I, I don't think that I think a lot of times what happens is clients or people that are um, designing it it's they don't think that that's an option to do furniture they think they have to do a built-in and you know it it becomes this kind of you know it's like the tail wagging the dog and and so i think it's nice to kind of encourage people to to pull away from that and you know if it's a brand new house it it allows you to infuse kind of a different period into the Mm -hmm. house and it's also something that you know in five years if you get tired of it or want to change you change out the furniture piece and you're not you know ripping out expensive millwork it is funny it's like often i feel like the the built-in was probably very in many cases specifically designed for the homeowner and so it's probably great but then the new homeowner who buys it is like oh wait now i have to fill this entire like giant bookshelf and like i read on a kindle like what am i gonna do you know and i gotta find all these tchotchkes so right right and then you yeah and then it's like you're 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 decorating for the condition that you don't even really like um Mm -hmm. you know instead of just just addressing it and yeah (laughs) and you know you look at the cost of 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 millwork and you know it was a a, an architect out of atlanta one time was like in 20 years um, most of your millwork, as far as like cabinets and things like that, are going to end up in the landfill, you know, versus like if you invest that in an antique, you know, while that may not live in that spot forever, um, it's a piece that you can have and it's probably going to be a lot less expensive too. That is interesting. Yeah. Cause you, I think we probably all have had, seen those spaces where it, there's just something about the proportions and the shapes that you can immediately be like, oh, that was like a 90s built in. Yeah. yeah, like right, just the right. size of the TV hole. Right. You're like, I know yeah. what that was. Built. Oh, yeah. Shape, shape of the right. apron. Everything. Yeah. You're like, uh-huh. yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, you know, but of course, when you're building your own house, you're like, it's classic. It's going to look right. good forever. Yeah. <laughs> As we've learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we do have a decorating dilemma, unless Taryn, you have a, a final question you want to ask. We have a question from Caitlin. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read it. And that she, she gave us dim, dimensions, which is always very helpful. So thank you for that, Caitlin. Okay. She says, hi, Karen, Taryn, and Liz. Liz is sick today. Sorry, she's not here. So... Hello, David. I have been listening to the How to Decorate podcast podcast for three years. I absolutely love it. Thank you for teaching me so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening, Caitlin. We just bought our first home. We're still in the process of moving. And now all of my great ideas feel paralyzed by reality. I have so many decorating dilemmas that I want to ask you all about. But I will start with our our funny, small living room. Our house is a 1977 Cape Cod, and it's small. Our living room is 15 feet by 11 feet. It has a fireplace in one end and a large picture window. The primary dilemma is that if I center our small apartment sofa under the picture window, then it is not centered on on the opposing wall. 
the edge of the picture window actually extends beyond the opposing wall into its hallway. Ideally, we'd like to arrange this room with two sofas facing each other. And I would like to get a larger sized 87 inch leather Chesterfield sofa for the wall now that we aren't apartment dwellers. We have played with different furniture arrangements using what we have right now. I think if we use the small sofa with a cute club chair, we could center the small sofa on the window, but the chair plus the small sofa combo would be centered with a larger sofa, if that makes sense. I would love your thoughts on how to arrange furniture in this room. The only thing in the picture that we want to stay is the small sofa and ideally the ottoman that we are using as a coffee table. Please pardon the mess in the photos. We're hastily taken in the middle of a movie today. Um, thank you so much for your help. Finger crossed this makes sense on the show. And yeah, she's she's got a great little room. It, I mean, it looks cozy. It definitely seems a little small, but um, what what are your, your initial thoughts, David? So I, I will start off, I'm never a big fan of, you know, kind of two sofas in the room unless they are perfect matches. Um, I just think that, you know, I think it takes me back to like, the 90s when everybody had a matching love seat and sofa. <laughs> and so, you know, what I would say, I, I think that it does make sense to either either keep the existing sofa or, or maybe think about replacing it. Um, I like where it's positioned in the room under that, um, under that picture window. Um, I would love to see, you know, a pair of club chairs um, kind of floating. Um, you know, with their, I guess their backs would be to the staircase, looking at the plan and, you know, a great floor lamp or end table to anchor those between the sofa and the, the two chairs. Um, and then I would do a, a club chair and ottoman um, in the opposite corner with either, and then across from the sofa on that wall that's, that's opposite the picture window, um, do a great chest or or secretary there. So no apartment sofa, but the two club chairs floating, a 87 inch sofa and a club chair and ottoman in the corner. Yes, so I, I kind of went against, gotcha. you know, the, I think I, I, I think I did exactly what she asked us not to do. Um, <laughs> and I eliminated her apartment sofa, but um, that would be, you know, I think, I think the apartment sofa is going to be really limiting because of the scale of it. And I think I would, you know, I would wait if, you know, I would wait until I could replace it. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's fine for now, but I would replace it with a longer sofa and, um, and not do another sofa, but just do one sofa in the space. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, it, just from the picture, the scale of it, it looks very small. And it, yes. because it's a small room, it almost makes, I, I'm like, wow, that must be really small if the room is small and this looks small in it. And it seems like, you know, there we've often have designers who've said like in a small room, sometimes you just use fewer, bigger pieces and it kind of. Yes. And, and I think that that's sounds a like kind of what you're. Yeah. Rule of thumb. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's hard to tell from um, from the photo and from the pictures, but you know, I think ideally the sofa would, would be about the length of that picture window mm -hmm. and, and the back of the sofa would be about the height of this windowsill. Um, and I think it would, it would, you know, I think it would make the room feel a lot more generous and, and 
you know, it, it would definitely give you a lot more seating and, and functional, you know, kind of functional mm-hmm. living space. So if you did do that, where she got a new larger sofa, club chair and ottoman, and then the two floating chairs, would you put that sofa against the window wall or the wall opposite it? I think I would keep it, I would keep it on the window wall, um, you know, where they have the apartment sofa. And I think where they have that upholstered club chair right now, and it looks like a fiddle, fiddly fig or plant in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where I would keep a club chair and then, you know, do two chairs, um, two chairs facing the fireplace Got that it. maybe are a little bit smaller in scale. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, what would be really nice is, is an antique chest or armoire that um, is centered on the window so it wouldn't be centered on that wall. And then you could do art to the right of it to balance the opening into the back part of the house. Pretty. Yeah. Well, there's your answer, Caitlin. And, you know, always we have our own um, room planner software, but then also lots of people have something similar where you can get in there, put in your dimensions, you know, find a chair you like, put the dimensions of the chair in. Can you fit two? you know, move it around and just kind of test it out? Always very helpful, Um, you know, just to just to see and a plan how things are going to fit. So definitely I know I do that because <laughs> I don't have CAD. So right. Well, I think too, good... you know, I think with the furniture that she has in the space right now, she could kind of do, although it won't be to the exact scale, but she could kind of move the furniture around and put it in that mm-hmm. placement and see how she likes it and how it feels in the, yeah. in the space. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's such a good trick too. Yeah. Like if you've got a, want to see if a chair fits, take a chair from another room, put it over there and live with it for a while and just see exactly if it'll, if it'll work. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us and, you know, um, sharing all of your, your wonderful advice with our listeners. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you and see your work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much for having me. You can find us on Instagram at, David Fraser Co. Co. And that is our website too, davidfraser.co. And it's F R A Z I E R. So, yeah, Caroline and Taryn, thank you both so much for having me. Yeah, it was really, I loved getting to pour over your work. Yes, you have a fantastic Very pretty. portfolio yeah. and a great follow. So, yes. we totally recommend people get on and see your work because it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And from Georgia. We like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!